0: Well, if you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and get it out, have a Bible app on your phone, fire it up, find with me the book of John, chapter 17, John 17. I'm thankful for the presence of the Lord and in confidence that freedom is taking place in the house today. That there are bondages being broken and lives being turned around. Sometimes people don't realize what's happened until after it happened. And uh, sometimes people report back to us I didn't know that I was healed of something until later. And I realized it was gone. It happened. I didn't even know when it happened. There are perks to being in the presence of God and worshiping the Lord with his people as his spirit gets to moving in our midst, I mean, there's places you can go in our world, and you can, by the time you leave, you have a disease, (laughs) time you leave, you're depressed, time, you, you know, and there are places you can go, and this is one of them, thank God, this is places you can go, by the time you leave, you're happier, stronger, have a brighter outlook for the future, sometimes healed in your body, amen, have wisdom to make decisions, so we're in the right place at the right time, Thank you, Lord. John 17, Jesus was praying here. We're going to jump in the middle of that. Verse 23, He's praying. He said, I in them and you in me, you be in the Father, that they may be made perfect in one and that the world may know that you have sent me and have loved them as you have loved me. Like we've been saying, Jesus thought it to be very important that not only we know that God loves us but that the world would look in and say and recognize God loves those people. Man, what is it about them? Why does he love them so much? I think being loved is quite attractive. It's quite of a it's quite a draw, especially in a world where many people are are not loved and many people don't experience true love. Uh they, you know, they're getting beat up and criticized and feel down and depressed and condemned and guilty and then you got this group of people they look like everybody else for the most part I mean we might be a little better looking but <laughs> I mean we look, we look like everyone else but what's the what's the deal with us God loves us yeah he, he does we acknowledge that we are, we readily can accept that he loves us us amen why don't you say that out loud with me say i know that the father loves me just as much as he loves jesus now that's what jesus is saying here in this prayer and if you can accept that oh it'll do you so much good you know one of the greatest elements of salvation is this very thing it is the reception and the infusion of god's love in our hearts okay not just heaven It's not just some other element. It's receiving God's love. Paul the Apostle said it this way in Romans 5, 5. Uh, He said, Now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. Okay? did you see that language? The Holy Spirit has been given to us. He poured out His love. You see, yes, we're forgiven. Yes, we have new life in Christ. But we've also been given this amazing gift, and it totally sets us up to win in life. It is this infusion of God's love. It is knowing that we are loved. It produces an inward security. It it enables us to forgive others and to value other people. This reception of God's love, knowing that you are loved, gives you hope. You see how he tied those things together? I'm not, Hope does not disappoint, because I know God loves me. Let me just rephrase that. Because I know He loves me, it's all going to be fine. Someone said, well, hey, I see you're going through a tough time. I see you've had some hardships some some, some trials. Ah, oh, yeah, it'll be fine, though. Well, you seem pretty dismissive. I know, but God loves me. So it's going to be Okay. You see how you can when someone doesn't know that, they don't have hope for a better tomorrow. They don't have an expectation of a brighter day, of things getting better. They're stuck in a rut and sometimes in despair, thinking, Man, I'm throwing in the towel. I don't see a way out. My life is a mess. But when you know that He loves you. And He's not just like anybody loves you (laughs) someone with no power, no ability, someone with no, no influence. God Himself God Almighty, the Creator of heaven and earth, loves me. Ah, It's going to be fine. Everybody with me today? Come on, say it with me. Say, it's going to be fine. Everything's going to be okay. I know it. Because He loves me. Yeah. Having God on your side, Amen. having God on your team, is a pretty big benefit to life. So having a correct perception of what he wants to do is very, very important. Now, uh, one of the most dangerous spiritual forces, qualities uh, in life is fear. Just like we value and recognize that faith produced salvation, it produces victory in life, prayers, answered, all kinds of things, Fear is one of the most dangerous things that we could allow to exist in our heart, okay? If it is there, um, it's, it's an open door for bad things, it really is. And so sometimes people deal with the symptom instead of dealing with the root cause that might be fear sometimes. They are afraid of negative things. I tell you this, the devil hates bold, fearless fearless Christians, you find a child of God who has no fear. They will boldly obey. They'll boldly give of themselves. They'll do whatever the Lord asks. You're in trouble. You don't want to mess with that person. They're the person who says, God loves me, everything's fine. What do you want me me to do, Lord? You want me to say this, do this, go here, give this away? Well, you can't give that away. You're, You're going to be in lack. No, that's how fearful people think. Oh, you can't do that. People are going to turn against you. People are going to criticize you and call you you all kinds of things. You don't want to do that. No, that's the way fear works in people. When you have a a boldness inside, a fearlessness because of knowing where you stand with God, you'll do anything, you'll go anywhere, you have no limitations in life. Because it's all going to be fine. Why would my father who loves me direct me to do something that's not going to be fine? We're good. And so if you want to be the devil's nightmare, be that kind of person. But if you want him to be able to slap you around anytime he wants and keep you limited, keep you uh, silent, keep you inactive, then you won't do anything about the fear in your life. Okay? Uh, Hebrews chapter 2 says something about this. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. If you can, look at it with me. Be more beneficial. you get more out of your time here in church today if, you, if you're able to do that. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 14. Inasmuch then as the children have partaken of flesh and blood, he himself, that's Jesus, likewise shared in the same, that through death he might destroy him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Okay, see how this works? Jesus through his death, what's that talking about? on the cross redemptive work suffering for our sins jesus through his death destroyed him who had the power of death now i know sometimes people think god has the power of death when someone dies god did that when a children is when a child is stillborn well god did that no god doesn't have the power of death it says the devil had the power of death Stop thinking that God is deciding every day who lives and who dies. He's not. That's almost a different subject, but at least you can benefit from me throwing that in here. (laughs) Who has the power of death? The devil. Say, well, Jesus came and took that away. He did. He destroyed him, meaning he took away his authority. He took away his right to rule and reign over people. But have you noticed he's still here? In other words, the way that we overcome the defeated devil is by faith in what Jesus did. Okay. (laughs) Verse 15. So Jesus destroyed him, or undid, or took him apart. Him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and released those who through fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So Here's the connection. Why do people have bondage? Fear of death. Why did Jesus not just deal with the bondage directly? He dealt with the fear of death. He destroyed Him who through the fear of death keeps people bound. So that people could be set free from the fear of death and then walk out of their cell. And then loose their cuffs. Their bondage is held in place... Because of the fear of death. So fear of death has to be dealt with for people to be free. Amen. Amen. Now, um, bondage is basically a lack of freedom. Fear of death is the mechanism by which people are enslaved. This is in contrast to faith. You might remember uh, Romans 10.10. 10. It, 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 it tells us, for with the heart one believes... Unto righteousness. So faith or believing produces a gift from God, right standing in this case or many other things. Believing is unto good something, good stuff, good reception. Fear of death is leading to bondage. So I can believe in good things. I can fear and bad things. Basically they, con- they contrast one with another. Now, think about fear of death. Uh, death is something that is manifest on various levels, okay, uh, to varying degrees. You can like, kind of like Princess Bride, remember when that guy was, was, Wesley was mostly dead. Okay, not like that. <laughs> I'm just reflecting on last week's message. In one sense, there are people who are walking around with a whole bunch of death in their life. They're not all the way dead in the sense that their heart is not stopped, their body is still working, but they have a lot of death in their life. Okay, uh, Sickness is, is death working. You know, oppression is death working in people's lives. And, and a person can have fear of a whole bunch of negative things. They can live in fear of you know, fully dying, they can live in fear of being alone they can live in fear of of failure and and that what, what what is all that it's death and that fear of those things is a fear of death and it produces bondage in a person's life well i'm just trying to get free get free from the fear of it and you'll be able to get free from the result of it okay uh, people are afraid of a number of things in life um potential negative futures you know people are afraid of things like flying i've heard people who won't get on airplanes uh some i've heard even individuals who are afraid of leaving their house all right it's not you obviously maybe those watching online (laughs) glad you're tuning in look forward to seeing you next week uh if you're local people watch from all around the world um (laughs) but some people really it does what, what is that the the fear of that keeps them in bondage, in a place where they don't have freedom to go and do. You know, there's uh, pe- people sometimes are afraid of food poisoning, and they're afraid of disease, or some are afraid of height, uh, heights. Heights. Um, there are people who are afraid of relationships, and usually there's a there's a, a, a mental reason why people are afraid of something. Some things are illogical. And some, they're basing it on on an experience. Nevertheless, it's still fear of death. Okay? Uh, People can be afraid of failure. So they won't try new things, they won't do anything. Uh, They can be afraid of criticism, they can be afraid of rejection. Fear of death is something that can manifest in many areas of our lives. And if it is there, we are paralyzed, we are bound. That's why Jesus came to destroy him who had the power of death, say who, who, who was in bondage. Those who had fear of death is what he said. All their lifetime were subject to bondage as a result of that. So it's a type of prison cell that people live in. Now, I don't want to make any exceptions or any excuses. I've heard people say before, well, a little bit of fear sometimes is a real healthy thing. Uh, you know, like... Uh, being afraid of getting run over by a car will keep you out of the road. Um, No, I'm going to say knowledge will do that for me. Fear is unnecessary. I don't have to be afraid of it. Right? No, I don't want to let this uh, operate in my life on any level. It is the defeated devil's way to bind us. Okay? Okay? And so as faith opens the door for God to work, fear opens the door for negative things, for the devil to work in people's lives. Even, uh, even Job set, made a statement. Um, in Job chapter 3, he made this statement about his own self. He had gone through some trials and, and, and he said in verse 25, the thing that I greatly feared has come upon me and what I have dreaded has happened to me. Okay, so what do I want to do? I want to live my life and not dread the worst. Not live with fear of what might happen, what possibly could go wrong. I want to get my mind off of that. Jesus defeated that stupid devil so I didn't have to think that way. I don't have to be in bondage to that. I don't have to live with fear. I can have this hope in me for a brighter, better future. That's why He came, to destroy that turkey. Amen. Uh, Go over to 1 John with me, if you would. Uh, 1 John chapter 4. Have you noticed in reading Scripture that it was not uncommon at all for when, uh, when God spoke to people through prophets or sometimes through angels, that the very first phrase out of His mouth was, two words fear not why would why would that be the first message got a message for you but before i get to it fear not it must be important people have a tendency to be afraid of what they don't know and what they don't see and afraid of bad things happen and so the lord lord's message to people is don't do that fear not do not be afraid do not be afraid of bad stuff. Do not be afraid of, uh, of, of anything, any kind of fear of death whatsoever. Because believing produces good results and fear does not. Now over in 1 John 4, remember who wrote 1 John is John. John, the disciple whom Jesus loved. John liked to teach about love. He liked to speak about it. In fact, he did uh, in many, many passages, talked about the love because he really knew it well. In verse 17, 1 John 4, 17, it reads, Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Think about that. <laughs> that we may have boldness in the day of judgment because as He is, so are we in this world. Does judgment sound kind of scary? Ooh, judgment days is coming. You're going to stand before God and give an account for your life. Yikes. But that's not what that verse says. It doesn't say you go in there shaking and trembling and like, ah. It says you have boldness in the day of judgment. What's that? Fearlessness. Think about it, standing before Almighty God. He's not only my Father, He's the judge of all the world. I'm going to stand before Him with confidence. So how can you do that? Only if you know how much He loves you. Only if you know how much Jesus paid for all your sins. You know you're standing as He is, Jesus is, so are you. In this world, that's not even then, it's right now. I stand before God just like Jesus does. Loved by Him and made righteous, that's kind of another message, but uh, but I tell you, His righteousness has been imputed to our account, so we can literally come before God boldly. Now and in the future when we stand before Him to give an account for our lives. Here I am. Lay it on me. Amen. Verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. And so if the devil brings bondage through fear of death, but yet there is none of that in love, I think I know the solution. I think I know the answer to life's many perils and problems and to the inward condition that causes people to despair and to recluse and to and to never step out and do anything bold in life. I think I know how to fix that. It's called perfect love. He said, it casts out fear. What, what do you mean it casts it out? I, I think of an illustration I've used a, n- a number of times. The displacement of Um, principle. You know, if I have a glass of fear yeah, and I don't want that fear, I need to get rid of this fear, I can pour in love and if I will pour enough love into my glass, my cup of fear, it will at some point be all love without any effort, without any um, real struggle to get rid of the fear, I've just displaced it. Perfect love cast it out. If I can live with a mentality and a knowledge and a revelation of God's love for me, there's not going to be any room for fear. Before you know it, I'll be acting in ways that are bold and fearless. I'll be secure and confident. I'll be a better friend, a better husband. I'll be a better, uh, a better Christian. Why? Because there's nothing in me except for God's love. That makes a pretty impressive person. And this is what does it. He said, because fear involves torment. Come on, if you've ever been afraid, you see that that's true. It's tormenting. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. So I can see what he's saying here is if fear exists in any one of our hearts on any level, that means love has not been fully understood or received in our lives. It's not a condemnation. It's just that's where things are. And it's a fix. It's a solution. Man, I'm still afraid of this. How do I get rid of it? Bask in the love of God. Think about it. Meditate on it. Ponder it. Say, well, this verse here, you know, perfect love is complete love. This verse, I thought that was talking about us treating other people with love. Like if we forgive and if we treat people kindly and generously, then fear doesn't have any place in our lives. No, that's actually not what it's saying. Because the verse right before that, verse 16, it reads this way. And we have known and believed the love that God has for us. God is love and He who abides in love abides in God and God in Him. This is the love for us, not the love that we give towards other people. I don't know about you but I don't do that perfect I don't walk in perfect love towards all people at all time that's aspirational and and I want to but I know God's love for me is perfect it's complete it's full and if I can receive that fear leaves amen and so what does it say here again it doesn't say we'll be free from fear if we are more loving but we should seek to live in or abide in His love. How, how, can, how can I abide in it? Uh, see, it's like, it's like a, a swimming pool, like a hot tub, uh, like a shower. I'm living in it. It's my surroundings. It's, where, it's the way I think. It's wherever I go. It's there. The love of God is present. It's my mentality. It's the way I think. It's the way I pray. Think about it. If you know how about God's abiding love in you, when you go to pray, you pray different. Because you're talking to someone who's like on your side. You're not trying to convince God. Oh, please. Oh, God, please. Who are you talking to? You don't know Him. He loves you. He is like that father waiting out at the end of the road for his prodigal son to come home. He lo- he's 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 waiting for you to I've been wanting you to ask that. I've been I've been wanting you to, to 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 ask me to do something. Here it is. Here you go. Make it so. How do I abide in his love? Listen to ver- listen to a couple examples. Cuz it is about mentality, it's about replaying, it's about meditating and acknowledging God's love for us. Romans 8:31 reads, "What shall we say What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? God is what? For us. How is God's love revealed to me? Here's one way. He's on my side. He's for us, not against us. And because He's for us, who gives a rip who's against us? It doesn't really matter. I don't like what you do. That's okay. You work that out. You have your own struggles, but God likes me. He does. 1 John 4, 4 reads, You are of God, little children, and have overcome them, because He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. This is a meditation. These should be our thought processes. Okay, He loves me, and He's the greater one. Man, God Almighty lives on the inside of me. I'm going to be God inside-minded, greater one mentality. He's in me and He loves me. He's on my side. See, what's happening? Fear is being displaced. When I say that, when I sing that, when I think about that, fear is being driven out. Not, I'm going to admit, it. oh, I'm so afraid. i got to stop being afraid. i got to stop being afraid. Stop it! Quit! The enemy wants to play that that tape over and over again in your mind. Don't help him. Say, do I need to rebuke it? Maybe once and then just go on to thank you, Lord, for your love. You are for me, not against me. You are the greater one on the inside. Romans 8, 39 says a bunch of things I summed up as nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing. So nothing I have done stops him from loving me. None of my failures, none of my shortcomings can stop him from loving me. Amen. And so uh, living in this place is essential. What I don't want to do, let me, how can I? I want to give you one more verse. One more verse today, and then uh, I've got more to come. But it's Galatians chapter 5. Um, <laughs> sorry, did you see me do that? Uh, in Galatians chapter 5 but some of the things I want to share with you in the future is explaining what this love of God towards us is Okay, it's not all hugs and ice cream cones but it is always love It's never some kind of evil disguised as love. It's always love, but there are some ways that God deals with us that are totally love that we need to understand and we need to get. And I'm going to get to that. But for today, Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6, notice what it says. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but faith working through love. Now, not many of us in our society today have an issue with thinking you have to be circumcised to be saved. But we know how that corresponds into works of the law, works of man, human effort to be saved. That doesn't matter anything at all. He said, what matters is faith working through love. Now, if you're like me, when you see that, you ask questions. I do. I think, what do you mean working through love? Do you mean like when I love, when I forgive, Do you mean like this love shed abroad in my heart, poured out in me? Do you mean your love for me? Is that what makes my faith work? Which one is it? Here's where I've landed. When a person receives and abides in the love of God, there's not a huge distinction anymore. I don't want to start off thinking, My faith will work when I treat everyone perfect, so that's my focus. I want to start at step one, which is believing and receiving God's love for me. And so, say, which is it? Is it God's love to us, or God's love in us, or God's love through us? Yes. Yes. But it's not just us trying to qualify to make our faith work. It is abiding in His love. Okay, I think of it like like steps. Okay, if I'm down here and I need to eventually be up here, uh, and up here is, up on the platform is me um, being just a great person. Great, uh, generous, loving, kind, forgiving person person i want to be that in christ and so forth so i could focus on that and do that but i believe the first step is essential that the first thing i need to do is abide in his love is, in other words, my attention, my focus is on, thank you, Lord, you're for me, not against me. You are on my side and do abide. You love me just like you love Jesus. Thank you, Lord. And I live in that place. And then it's very natural to take the next step and let that love flow through us. But how many know anyone can go from the bottom and make a leap and do something temporarily? I Anyone in here could be nice for a minute especially in this atmosphere where there's not much conflict. But it's another thing for a person to truly, from their from the, their innermost being, be that person and let it flow out of them continually. It, it, it's the reason why I usually recommend, if someone is interested in getting married, that you get to know that person for more than a month. Why? Because it's easy to be Mr. Perfect for a month. Or Miss Perfect, right? It's, it's easy. You can, you can go out of your way and be so generous and put that other person first. And you can hold back their, you know, your quirks and so forth for a little while. But it's coming out. And what, if you want to get in a relationship, you've got to get that person in a position where you can, or someone, I don't mean, you know, push their buttons. You've got to see them when they're tired. You've got to see them when they're annoyed. You've got to see them when something doesn't go right. You, and again, I'm not saying just try to provoke all that. But, <laughs> but you don't know if they went to the first step. You don't know how secure they are. You don't know how much they have a sensation in their own life of their own value and purpose and love from God. If they skip that, this is temporary. They'll struggle with it and they'll go back and forth. They'll do it for a while because they know mentally it's the right thing to do. They want to be a good person. They want to treat. But, but they'll slip back. But if you could live in this, in this bath of God's love and then it naturally flows out of you, now you're laughing. Amen. Now, now work on you. Don't work on everybody else. But that, in, that illustration came to me by inspiration in the first service. And, uh, and so I'm glad I, I was able to share it with you as well. Um, but seriously, I mean, if you are getting in relationships with other people, this is so vital. This revelation sets a person up to uh, receive love, to give love, to be secure, and ultimately to kick the stupid devil out of their life. Because he will bring us into bondage Not because he has the right to do it. He's defeated. But through deception and the fear of a negative future. The fear of something going wrong. The fear of everything falling apart. We slide into that trap and adapt that mentality. Now we're back in bondage as if Jesus hadn't even freed us from it. Hallelujah. Amen. The Lord is good. Let me pray for you today. Father, in Jesus' name.